Welcome to Busted Biscuits. I'm Jen Stanley. And I'm Jill Super. And today, we are talking about the science of friendship. Yes. This is really kind of, <laughs> this is interesting. So let me tell you how like we discovered this. So um, as a part of being a student, I'm currently in my doctoral program at Liberty University. And I get a free membership to the American Psychological Association. So I was like, mm, why not? It's free. So <laughs> free, free, free. Right, right. I'll take it. I like free stuff, right? So I signed up and I got this magazine. And so when I got out of the house, I didn't really pay attention to it. Like I threw it in my book bag and like I've been carrying it around because I thought, well, I could come and bring it in the lobby of my office and just leave it there. Right? Oh, okay. Someone might want to okay. look at it. Well, and I just kept not doing it, not doing it, doing it. And so uh, you and I were hanging out the other day and I pulled it out of my bag and I was going to like just throw it away. It's like, okay, I keep, you know, having this. And so then I look on the cover of it and it says the science of friendship. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, well, maybe we should look at this. Right. So I showed it to you and then we open it up and read this article and we're like, oh my goodness. Like, yeah. There is so much here. We've got to talk about it. Yeah. So really we're reading from a the yeah, American Psychological <laughs> Association, but oh my, the Monitor on Psychology is what it's called. Yes, and uh, oh my goodness, like I was just like yes, yes, yes with all of these things because like I connected to all of it because it's like this is exactly the things we've been talking about with biscuits, and mm -hmm. so here's some research to prove that we're not crazy, right? <laughs> that we have something real to offer. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, so um, but before we do that, I did want to talk a little bit about our recent like hangout activity. So oh, what, yes. what we do with our friends. <laughs> It, so um, a couple of Fridays ago, actually would have been back in April, we like decided we were going to do this. And so we, we decided we were going to have a goodwill dinner. And what that meant was that um, we were as our in our friend group, we were going to give our sizes and our name. And um, our, one of our friends put it into a, an app and then we were given it, we were assigned somebody. And so whoever you were assigned, you had to go to the goodwill and pick them out an outfit and um, and then you had to take it home and wash it, right? Because you don't ever know what you're getting at the Goodwill. <laughs> and so, and then we had scheduled a date, like to meet at my house, and you gave the outfit to the person that you had, and then they had to put it on, and then we walked up town and went to dinner. Mm -hmm. That was the most fun. We did take before <laughs> and after pictures, right? We did, we did. Uh, we laughed so much. It was so fun. And so like, I highly recommend doing that with somebody. Like it's a fun thing to do. Like yes. I, I was in so much anticipation because oh I was- Oh my goodness. I was, Leading up to it, it, it got crazy. It oh, was, we just laughed. We just kept talking about it. And like, <laughs> we did have a modesty clause. Like yes. so you had to make sure yes. that you were modest. And then we also had a, you had to be a good sport clause. Like no, <laughs> no one can like, be, you know, be a fuddy-duddy. Like whatever you got, you had to wear. And so, and so luckily no one gave us any fits. Like everybody was agreeable and, and we just came laughed. prepared. Yeah. yeah, we did. And so do it, but make sure you do it with several people. Like just don't do this by yourself. Like to go to Goodwill and buy a bad outfit and go wear it. Like people will definitely look at you weird. Like you'd want to do this in a group of people <laughs> so that you're not just like alone looking like a weirdo. Because here's what happened. The plan was to walk from my house to downtown because I live really close to the restaurant we were going to go to. And so, but it started raining. And so then I had to drive my car. And so, so as, cause I was being kind, I decided I would let everybody out of my van and then I was going to go park, which is what happened. But that meant that I was alone walking into the restaurant <laughs> dressed the way I was dressed. And I'm like, Oh, please, Jesus, let somebody not pay attention to me because this is not fun. Oh, oh so anyway, gosh, yeah. So was, yeah. All alone. But it was, it's a blast. Like, so, um, Take this idea. I, I really, it's not an original. It's not a Jen Stanley original. Nope. I think I saw it on either um, on Instagram or Facebook or something. Facebook, yeah. yeah. And so like, we've got to do this. We and just so. decided we were going to try it. And, and oh man, it was it worth in it. our big group. It was, it was worth it. So, so, so worth it. Totally do it. Okay, Jill, tell us okay. what, what do you see in this article? 
Well, the first thing, when you start to read the article, it says people who have friends and close confidants are more satisfied with their lives and less likely to suffer from depression. I would believe that. that yeah. I mean, that, make, that feels like natural stuff. Like, if you have friends, you're not going to be as sad. Correct. Um, on the other hand, when people are low in social connection because of isolation, loneliness, or poor quality relationships, they face an increased risk of premature death. Yeah. How crazy is that? Yeah. <laughs> so basically, if you're alone, you're more likely to die. Which, I mean, I, that makes sense to me because if you don't have a reason to live, right? If you're mm -hmm. kind of by yourself and like you don't, no one's counting on you, no one's interested in what's going on, it's kind of like, mm, muzzle, you know, like I don't have to push to live. Right? I guess. And I guess from the nurse in me too, I think like uh, you're not out moving around, you're not, you yeah. know, moving, it's not physical activity, you're not taking True. care of yourself, like you're letting yourself go, you're not, mm -hmm. you're not doing the things that will help you stay healthy longer. Yeah. Or if you're spending life in isolation, you may have something wrong with you that no one else, that no one notices because no one's around to tell you. Best example, mm -hmm. our friend Marie Hill, mm -hmm. I went with us to the beach mm -hmm. and she snored like oh, a freight train. Yes. And so Marie lives alone with all her cats. And so, but she doesn't have anybody, like she's been alone yes. for at least 30 yeah. years or so. And so like, she'd never been around anybody and slept. And so like, we, I knew as her friend, like I knew she was tired a lot, you know? And yes, so, she would. Right? And she so would she, text and say, oh, yeah. I'm going to bed. It's I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I took right. a nap for four hours and now I'm going to bed. <laughs> right? So in this, so we go to the beach and like she snored. And I'm like, uh, oh, Marie, yeah. I think you probably have sleep apnea. And so we as a group uh, bullied her. <laughs> Strongly encouraged. Strongly encouraged. Right? We are aggressively helpful. We, and we, we, wait, I gotta say, we tracked, like, we put a, a an Apple Watch on her to track her, like, yeah. oxygen and her heart rate and all of these things just to check and see. Right. And she did, she failed. Yes. <laughs> a lot of the tests. Okay, so, so she quit breathing 41 times an hour. Yeah. On oh, her test. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, we're like, oh my gosh, see, there's something going on. And so, like, had she not hung out with us yeah. and been in a group, like, she would have been tired forever because her cats aren't going to tell her that she's snoring. Well, and I just have to say, as a nurse, sleep apnea, like, will kill you eventually. Your oh, body yeah. wears out. Like, it, it does a lot of things to hurt your body and, mm -hmm. like, it, it's not good. Right. It wears you out. It does. It does. Right. Your body just can't function your like heart, it needs to. Your heart to. can't right. function. You're not getting the oxygen that you need. All of the things. So we could apply Marie's situation to... Um, isolation. Isolation, yeah. yeah, if you're living in isolation. Now, luckily, she's got a sleep uh, a CPAP. Yeah, CPAP. CPAP. Yeah, and so she's much less tired. Yeah, and so she has a lot more energy now. She does. She, it was worth we'll it. find out when we go on we go the beach, trip. how bad yeah. she snores. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Snoring will be better. But. Yeah, hopefully. What else? <laughs> All right. Um, so it says, research also suggests that friendships can be made and maintained at any age, mm -hmm. and relationships with friends can strengthen or stand in for romantic relationships and even minimal social interactions can be powerful. Good. So like it's okay. Friendships can be just as important. Yes. As romantic ones. Yes. They can meet the needs. Yeah. And I think because in some of our banter sessions, right, we've met a lot of women, not a lot, but a number of women who have lost a spouse. And so mm -hmm. that's a significant change in life, but staying connected to others can, can fill some of that void. Obviously, yeah. you know, it, it, it isn't the same, but, it, but it does, act the same in the way that we live yeah right? definitely um okay so there's been this preoccupation with romantic relationships but many of our closer relationships are with friends just kind of you know rehashing that one um and i think here i i definitely think about my husband like right i put all my eggs in his basket and i was like why aren't you making me an omelet why do we not have chickens like what you know what are we doing wrong um but it isn't always a romantic relationship that's going to fulfill you. You do ha need to have, we've talked before about needing to have multiple different types right. of relationships. Friendship is important. Right. So you're thinking that my husband is all I need. Mm -hmm. And then he was like, go make some friends. Yeah. <laughs> 
I yeah, can't be everything to you. Repeatedly told right. Me and then now he's mad at me because we're friends. <laughs> and I'm never home. That's right. <laughs> he's like, it's your fault. You said get a friend. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. So um, research from around the world shows that having social connections is one of the most reliable predictors of a long and healthy, satisfying life. High quality ones that provide social support and companionship significantly predict well-being and, pro- and can protect against mental health issues such as depression and anxiety. Um, and those benefits will persist across the lifespan. That's good. Yeah. Um, let me We're, keep looking. Are you the cigarette one yet? Oh, almost. Okay. Uh, just oh, did I? Yes. No. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna keep going. <laughs> In the face of life's challenges, having a close friend to turn to seems to be a buffer or protective factor against some of the negative outcomes we might otherwise see. Yeah. Why abso- do you think that is? Well, because you're not alone. Okay. You know, because it's like it's it's one thing to have a bad day; it's another thing to have a bad day with someone. You know, like, that's very true. You know, like very when, true. like when you have someone to process with it, you know, or just kind of go through it together. Like the shared experience is very beneficial. Yeah, going home and crying by yourself is not no the healthy route. No, it's not fun. Um, to find your, I found your fact. It says people with no friends or poor quality friendships are twice as likely to die prematurely. And then it says a um, meta analysis of more than three hundred and eight thousand people, a risk factor even greater than the effects of smoking twenty cigarettes per day. So that's crazy. So essentially, <laughs> you're more likely to die by not having friends than by having, than by smoking 20 cigarettes a day. That seems so, so right, drastic you would, or dramatic to right? say. Like, but <laughs> like you would definitely think, well, if you're smoking 20, that's a pack of cigarettes a day, right? Like that feels like yeah. really, that's quite a bit. It is. And so like, man, so if you're like, you're more likely to, if you don't have friends, you're going to have a bigger issue than if you smoke that much. Well, I mean, I guess depression, anxiety, heart disease, all of the things that come from that. I mean, you can get lung cancer. You may not get lung cancer, but you can definitely be isolated and and Mm -hmm. shut your, you know, just shut down. But it said premature death, right? Yeah. The being alone, you're more likely for a premature death than if you smoked a pack of cigarettes a day. Crazy. Oh, my goodness. Find a friend. You need a friend. (laughs) Yes. Don't be alone. We want you to live. Live for a long time. Well, then it gets into some data around... um, it gets into some data around the when this started, right? Oh, Which yeah. Which is so interesting. Because we've said this all along, but we're like, we don't necessarily have, know where the research is for this. And yeah. so when we when we started reading, we we're like, uh-huh, it's right here. It's right here. Yeah. Um, so it says, despite the risks, Americans are getting lonelier. In 2021, 12% of U.S. adults said that they did not have any close friendships, up from 3% in 1990. That's crazy. So 3 to 3, 12. 3% up to 12%. Um, and and 2021 was after the pandemic. Yep. And it does say that decline began well before COVID-19. And what it attributes attributes it to, it says social disconnection, which is a rising, which is rising across age groups, appears to have worsened for after 2012 when smartphones and social media became virtual, virtually ubiquitous. An international study of high school students found that between 2012 and 2018, school loneliness increased in 36 out of 37 countries. Oh, my goodness. Well, so, okay, so actually this, this podcast will post on the 6th of July. So tomorrow, July 7th, um, is my birthday and is also, thank you, is also the last day of my classes, like my classroom classes Mm -hmm. for schooling. And so then I'll be at Albert dissertation. So like all I have to do is write a dissertation. Mm -hmm. And so, which is a process, but (laughs) what I want to do it on is on relationships. 
right? And, and the impact of the internet and social media on our friendships, on adolescents and their ability to make friends. Because I think we, we've lost that social connection mm-hmm. by being online so much. And so then here's, there's a good jumping off spot for me, like that they're, they're saying, yes, there has been a shift. There has been a change because of, of smartphones yeah. and that people are more lonely. Isn't that sad? Oh, well, actually, it's not sad because it makes me excited about writing my dissertation. <laughs> it's sad that people are going through it, but I'm it glad that we're seeing it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think it's important that we look at those things. Well, I mean, I think for, for years now, people have said, oh, it's because of that. It's because of that. But to know that there's hard research that's been done that says oh, this yeah. is fact finding and this is true. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, well, it just points it out, makes it so obvious. And from there, you have to make good decisions, right? Yeah. About yeah. when you allow your kids to access to social media and true. all of the things. True. So, well, and th- so I'd also add that like being on the internet has created a difficulty to being able to interact socially, like in social environments, like teenagers struggle to order their own food yeah. at restaurants. They struggle to make a phone call to like check on something or to make their own appointment or, um, to have to ask for help from a, a an assistant, you know, like a school, mm-hmm. a church, a uh, good Lord, a a store clerk, you know, needing directions or something like mm-hmm. they, they are uncomfortable asking those questions. It's like, because they're used to texting things. Mm-hmm. So they're afraid because when you text something, you have a moment to kind of get your thoughts together and make sure that it makes sense. You can read over it and make sure you're communicating what you want to communicate. When you're standing there in person, you have to think fast on your feet. Yeah. And so they are not exercising their fast on their feet muscle. No. And so they get there and they're like, they kind of stun out and go, Oh wait, wait a second. You know what am I supposed to do here? And so then they just choose not to do it. Yeah. And so like the internet, while we're supposed to be more connected because of the internet, we're actually less, less available and, and appropriate with our behaviors. Yeah. That's isn't, crazy. Isn't, it is crazy. That's crazy. It's crazy. So tip to parents, you should make your kids order their own food when you're out to eat mm-hmm. at a restaurant. Like don't order your, your kids food. If they're old enough to talk, teach them and encourage them to order their own food to the waiter or waitress. So they learn how to have Simple that Simple skill. conversation skills. Yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, the other fact that's kind of fun in this is that they, they, well, not fact, but they say what's remarkable about that is that it's getting back, that getting back to normal is not going to be enough because it wasn't looking good before. So yeah. some of these children were born in a, in, into a time where they don't know any different. Yep. And so how do you teach a new normal to people who don't know the difference? I and really, where- yeah, I really think that we're headed towards a communication crisis. Like that may be mm-hmm. a strong word, but, but I think it's legit. I think that we are going to get to the point where people do not know how to face-to-face talk to each other. Yeah, I agree. Well, and, and in here it does say, um, you know, for students, their relationships with their friends and peers were quite significant in predicting how they were doing both academically and in terms of their emotional adjustment, mm. which just goes to like all that we've been talking about to say, if you don't have some sort of communication, like actual verbal communication with yeah. other people, yeah you're not going to excel in some of the areas that uh-huh. people would anticipate you excel. Yeah. You got to have, be able to talk to somebody, have a foundation. Yes. Um, all right. So then weak ties was the next subject of this. Okay. And I know that you like this one. I do. <laughs> um, it says, um, Basically, having a close friend or confidant is undeniably good for us, but psychologists have found that interactions with acquaintances or even strangers can also give our mental health a boost. A casual relationship with an operator of, with the operator of a hot dog stand helped someone um, feel connected while they were in school because they didn't have anyone they talked to regularly, but that person was a, a constant figure in their life. Uh-huh. Um, it says these connections with acquaintances, a work friend you bump into once a week, a pet store employee who remembers your cat can be suspicious 
surprisingly sustaining. It's like going to Cheers. Everybody knows your name. Yes. There's, there's an 80s reference for you. <laughs> um, well, and so like, I, I definitely, I don't want to say I'm the queen of this, but I definitely love conversations with people I don't know. Like, yeah. I, like I just said to you this morning and then saw on my uh, time hop for my Facebook. So I have an app that like collects all the memories of the things that I've done. And so it'll shows everything that I posted um, for the last 13 years on Facebook for this date. And so at, I think it was 10 years ago on this date, I posted about, I'm going to be that weird old lady that's talking to strangers <laughs> because that's what I'm doing now, you know? And so I just said something to you about it this morning. Yes. And then that popped up like, today must be the day that I tend to recognize that I do that. But like, so like we, I told, we talked about the Goodwill party. Mm-hmm. So like that day, oh my word, I was so excited. And so like I <laughs> went to, when I was at Walmart, I was telling the cashier about it. Like, listen, guess what I have to do tonight? I'm so excited. And I explained what we were doing. I had to go, <laughs> I had to go um, get my thyroid checked at the hospital. And so like, as the ladies like about to, um, to do the ultrasound, I'm like, I have to tell you what I'm doing tonight. You know? <laughs> so, so like, I'm all for having conversations. And so like, periodically I'll get stopped. Um, you know, I'll just, someone will say hello or, or say something and I'll engage it longer than most people would. And so I'm, I feel like I'm constantly in conversation with strangers. And so, um, I love that. I love yeah. doing it. I'm, love a weird, I'm total weirdo, but I love it. Well, it does say they also encourage they also encourage talking to strangers because it showed repeated practice can make doing so easier and more enjoyable. Yeah. So the I mean we've talked about that before. You know, the more you, the more you practice what you're doing, the easier yeah. it gets. Yes. And you realize you want that, you crave that, you need that. Right. Yeah. Good stuff. Okay. Um. And so while you're looking, I think um, also talking to strangers like. The other person may be feeling pretty awkward in that moment. And so then when you reach out and talk to them and kind of, you, you diffuse the awkwardness, if that makes sense. Like you just go ahead and talk about it. And so then, and I just say, you know, accept that I'm going to be awkward sometimes. And so I'll just go with it. I love that. I, I get awkward all the time. So yeah. I mean, yeah. Do it's I make you better. feel awkward when we're, when we go in public places and I do that and have conversations with people? I just stand by myself <laughs> I'm still awkward there, but it gets easier. Like I've done the, I have a conversation at the checkout. Yeah. I've avoided self-checkout purposely just so that I would like force myself to practice having a conversation. Oh, yay. That's good. Good job. That's improvement. I don't don't love doing it yet, but. Okay. (laughs) We'll get there. Not at your level. We will get there. (laughs) Um, So one of the other things that was in here, um, it, it talks about friendships being the first relationship in life that we freely get to choose, right? So as young adults, we've got family that kind of surround us, and then mm. we get to go out and we get to pick people. We've talked a lot about um, how we do that, right? Yeah. How, how we step back and we kind of observe and then go into it. Uh-huh. Um, what are the benefits that you see from um, as an adult or someone who's going into, you know, and later in life who just decides, okay, fine, I know that I need friends. What am I going to do? What kind of benefits can you tell them they're going to see as a result of this? Like, what do you expect? Like when you, when you pick a friend, mm-hmm. um, highlight those for us. Cause I feel oh, like man. Th- they cover a lot of those in here, but I want to hear what you have just What said. I think why, so you're, you're asking me, what are the benefits of picking a friend as an adult? Yes. Well, like you said, so you pointed out that like in your own original family, you don't get to pick who your mom or your dad or your siblings are. Although funny story, whenever Coco <laughs> was little, Coco was my middle daughter. So I have Carly is my oldest, then Coco and then Claire. So Coco was irritated at her sisters. And so she says to me, I think she probably would have been like six or seven. And she said, mom, when I grow up, who's going to be my sisters? And I'm like, well, Carly and Claire are going to be your sisters. She's like, no, 
I'm picking somebody else. <laughs> and so I was like, actually, you can't, right? So this yeah. is who's going to be your sisters. Um, and so like you're finding people that you feel drawn to and connected to. And so then like you see something about them that's interesting or you have something in common or you have a shared experience and then you have an opportunity to make a connection. And so like I, I think um, you, you feel more in control of those relationships because you can be a part of them if you want to or you don't have to be. I like that. That's actually that's what I think. Yeah, that's actually valuable. Um, okay, so some of the other things they say, there's also reason to believe that skills developed in friendships can be carried forward into healthier romantic relationships, particularly among teens and young adults. Oh, heck yeah. So let's pause there. Okay. So like you learn how to listen in friendships. You learn how to keep confident confidences. You become a confidant um, in friendships. And like you learn how to be playful. You learn how to do things and try new things. Um, you learn how to make someone feel comfortable. And so I'm going to say, heck yeah. But <laughs> your friendships can definitely like... The, when you have healthy friendships, it also rolls over into healthy romantic relationships. I think it helps you have healthy work relationships. Like it just kind of, it's the ripple effect. So you drop the rock in the water and this ripples out. And so like the more practice you have with friends and with people, the better you are at it. I would agree. I so would yes. Agree. Okay. So then the other part of that is um, because they, so it talks about uh, peer relationships in children, adolescents, adolescents, and young adults. Because of that, they present a really important opportunity to learn how to navigate challenging interpersonal situations before we enter relationships as adults. Um, Self-disclosure between friends, sharing thoughts and feelings helps young adults build empathy for others, practice seeking, and provide social support, and even solidify their identities. Good. And so let, I want to hone in on the empathy piece because here's the something that I see a lot. So whenever you and I were children and we didn't have smartphones or phones at all, for that matter, um, we had like landlines that you were tied. The cord was either mm -hmm. super long or if you're really high class, you had a cordless phone. And so you can walk somewhere else. Otherwise, like there were like mile long phone cords. So you could almost go anywhere in the house <laughs> yes, on the phone, right? So true. Yeah. You had so, to go hide in the closet. Oh, you did. You totally did. <laughs> so, um, so like what would happen for us is if you were in conflict with a friend, then you would, you would end up saying mean things to that person's face and you would see how your words landed on them. You would see how they mm -hmm. reacted. And so then, and, and you, you connected to that and you're like, Oh, I hurt that person's feelings. You're like, I, I'm making them cry. But you, you have this understanding of how your actions are impacting them. Fast forward to today when people have cell phones yeah. and they say these mean things over cell phones, then they don't see how it lands on the person that's receiving that text message or that message messenger message or Snapchat or whatever. And so then they don't see it on them. And so then they don't have any ownership of how their behavior is impacting someone else. I 100% I agree with that. And it even says in here, it says, given the clear benefits of friendships, psychologists, psychologists say um, we should promote platonic social connection across society, including in school, at work, and public spaces, such as public transportation and through entertainment. And so I think about how you were just saying, you know, like, it's not about connecting through a phone. It is yeah. truly about connecting in person, person to person relationship, because otherwise you're not going to learn those social cues. You're not going to learn any of those things that yep. are required to continue to have healthy conversations. You're going to, you know, some of the, the making and keeping friends tips are the same things that we've talked about. And so they talk about that, um, 
you know, people, you assume like when you have an interaction, like, oh, that went badly. Oh, that. And as kids, I watch my, my daughters do this at, at certain points in their lives. Like, oh, this interaction was not good. Oh, this is terrible. I'm just going to withdraw completely. I'm never going to do that again. I'm not yeah. even going to try. Uh, we talked about it in, you know, forgiving ourselves. Um, uh-huh. So, so it is a, a pattern that, uh, that you kind of see and you have to be able to have interpersonal relationships, like face-to-face relationships yep. in order to build some understanding of how that works and then mm-hmm. the confidence to let those thoughts go and to step forward into, you know, the developing deeper relationships as mm-hmm. a result. Yeah. Does taking that risk. You got to yeah. take that risk. Yeah. Um, on that topic, it says in here, the research su- suggests that negative thoughts we have about ourselves in new social situations may not match what others are actually thinking about us. And I know we've talked about this a yeah. lot. Yes. But I feel like it, it doesn't hurt to kind of, touch on this again sure so like i think the best way to um interpret it is that when you're in the junior high you know Mm -hmm. and you had a zit on your nose and (laughs) you go to go there and you're thinking that everybody in school is talking about your zit and you know they they have a perception about you and then when you actually get there and if you were to ask questions about it no one's noticing the zit on your nose because they're worried about the zit on their own nose yes You, you know it's personal fable i believe is what that's called and so then um so we, we hyper focus on on our actions and our version of things, and then we and we add meaning to them, and like the, it's the snowball effect where we, it gets bigger and bigger. We we create this narrative of what took place and what happened and what these people believe about us, when that's not the case at all. True. So if if you can walk into a social situation and go, I'm pretty likable, you know, there's things about me that people are gonna like. Right. It's going to be way and easier. And not dwell on those. And not focus on, yeah. <laughs> I got weird shoes on today or I, I wore two different colored shoes. <laughs> like, don't think about your social zit. You know, yeah, whatever it is that you yeah, feel exactly. like is that zit on your face or whatever. Like, just be there and be present and just know that you'll find someone that likes you. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, intimacy is another topic that's in this article. And okay. so it definitely comes up. It says, um, when we view behaviors that create intimacy, being vulnerable, buying gifts, taking someone out on a date as only appropriate for a romantic relationship, we end up limiting the potential of our friendships. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I do think that that's interesting, too, in this day and age, because there is so much same-sex relationships mm-hmm. that sometimes you may be afraid to love your friend that way because they, you don't want it to be misinterpreted. Like if you say, if you say getting a gift means that I'm sexually interested in you. So I can't give my friend a gift because they might misinterpret my actions. Yeah. You know? And so, wow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so then we don't do those things, but I'll tell you what gifts are my love language. So (laughs) I will not turn that down. (laughs) I'm all about that, but you know, but, but yeah, but practicing that in friendship is important. Well, and they say many of us could really benefit from blurring the line between, between romantic and platonic friendships, right? Yeah. Like those, those, those overlaps really will make a difference in how we go forward. Yeah. And to be someone, I think of it in terms of my faith, right? Like to be someone who just gives mm-hmm. because they want to give mm-hmm. regardless of who you are in their life or what role you're in yeah. in their life. It's truly just about being being that that kind person who wants to have relationship with people. Yes. Period. End of sentence. Yes. Um, yeah. So it, it goes on to talk about um, more around like the benefits of that. But well, but, but really, uh, before you jump on, I wanted to keep going there about like um, learning how to be a friend first and like how that really can impact your dating relationships. Yes. You know, and so like um, 
often you really should be starting a relationship as a friendship. Like if we go way back to our talking about how, you know, don't jump to sex too quickly that you really don't want to put the roof on the house before you've built the foundation. And so then like some of this stuff is that foundational work, like spending time with this person and building a friendship and knowing what they like and what they're into, you know, is really key for something to have a lasting connection. I agree. And then as you get older and you've been married for a long time or, you know, you you age, like sex becomes less important in a married relationship. And so, and that's not a hundred percent, but you know, typically it becomes less of a focus and that emotional connection becomes more important. Yes. And so you've got to learn in those early years how to have an emotional connection so that when you are in these long-term relationships, you have the opportunity to connect with somebody that you know how to do it. So that when, when, you know, the sex fades, you still have friendship. Okay, now go in. Well, no, I was going to say that ties directly into what they say, like, um, when they, when we were talking earlier about those skills that you develop in friendships can be carried forward. And yes. so it, it if, if, like, exactly like you said, you build those friendships, those relationships, they aren't anything um, romantic at the point, at that point, but you've developed this history with someone, right? Like, yeah. you're, you're friends and you, you kind of spend time together doing things, even if it's just in a group, but then you're drawn to somebody yep. as a result of those shared connections and those uh-huh. shared experiences. And yes. so it, it builds a foundation, a solid foundation, like you said, not building your, your roof first. So. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Okay. Um, aim for companion. Um, sorry. Listen to others. And so it talks about uh, both friends and strangers feel more connected when their conversation partner responds to them quickly. Um, but it says that has come naturally through really listening and trying to get to the, what the person is saying. There's no easy hack for friendship. It's just caring enough to listen to each other. And so uh, these couple of the, that and the being consistent um you know, social activity can be thought of as a similar to a physical activity. You can maintain fitness just by exercising. You can't maintain fitness just by exercising once. It takes regular practice and investing in your relationships to build that over time. Yes. And so a lot of those things are the foundational items that we've covered as part of our biscuit, our our recordings, our podcast, right? In the first 10 or 15 episodes, like how the how to, how do you, how do you be a good friend? How do we identify what you want in a good friend? Um, you know, take some of those, take some notes, go back and re-listen. If you're at a point where you're like, okay, fine, it's time um, to find some friends. Obviously, we've talked about the psychological, the emotional, all of those benefits. There's physical benefits too, they yeah. found. So so it, it does nothing but good in your mm-hmm. life, Yeah, um, you know, to find good, healthy relationships. Yes. And so um, in, the, in that light, I make a purposeful decision to um, hug my single friends. Because like thinking about like, you know, if (laughs) if you don't have the opportunity to have a physical touch with someone, you know, then that doesn't feel good. And so like there's, there's studies that show that when babies aren't held, that that, you know, impacts their development. And so then, um, you should love on your single friends. Right. And so a hug, hug goes a long way. I just got hugs from all my friends today at church. And I noticed like we're, we're long huggers. Like we'll Uh just grab hold and be like, I miss you. I love you. Um, uh (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with that because like you said, it is, you know, it's a platonic thing. And so it doesn't, it doesn't blur any lines for us. We have developed the relationship to the point where we can, we can have that level of, of, you know, connection. Well, an intimacy, intimacy. really. Yeah. And it not be sexual. It's just purely friendship. friendship. Yeah. Just loving each other well. Man, so th- that's exciting to me. So I am excited about 
seeing that that people are paying attention to friendship right right because like it's not just important to you and I no like it's it's out there which is weird I know <laughs> I know and so um so yeah I mean I'm really encouraged by that and so I'm also excited because it sounds like when I actually start having to do research for this my dissertation project like I'm there's going to be stuff out there to find I kind of want to read your research because I'm so interested oh, I mean man. obviously I'm interested in this or I wouldn't be doing this podcast but yeah. <laughs> true so uh, yeah oh you can be a part of that process as much or as little as you want I will not be sad about that so um but man so here's the here's the where the rubber meets the road here's the the studies that have been done to say that friendship isn't it's just crucial yeah. we, we've got to have people in our lives and we we have to be willing to do the work to have them there and it doesn't always have to be as hard as we think oh like, that's so true it man embrace the awkward like mm-hmm. if, if this feels uncomfortable for you like try to have a conversation with the um with the cashier at, at Walmart or, you know, someone checking you out or um, someone that you're stuck in the elevator with, you know, uh, I think one of the things that, that I read when I was looking over that article was about, um, like, if you're in a social environment, like make a comment about what's happening around you. Yes. You know, yeah, in so, line at the grocery store, like, oh, look at the Halloween decorations. <laughs> yeah. Or man, this is, you know, I didn't expect the Walmart to be as busy today. Right. Like I definitely had that conversation too. And so just finding a, a shared experience or a shared something to talk about. And so then you'd be surprised at how well, um, how easy it is to transition and keep going. Yeah. So true. This may be weird, but I feel like retired people are better at this. And so what I can't attribute that to is because, is it because they're older? So they're used to conversation or is it because they have more time on their hands and they're more willing to do that? But I think oftentimes about, I know, um, like my parents' friends, like they'll often, they'll go someplace and they'll travel and they'll meet new people you know, and they'll sit and talk to them, you know, or you'll be, they'll be on a cruise and they'll meet another couple and they'll spend time discussing, you know, life with this, these people that they don't know. And so like, so I, I don't know which to attribute it to, you know, maybe they're just better at it. Maybe they have more time and take it the time to do it. Maybe they just have more interesting things to share. I, you know, I don't know. Well, whatever, for whatever reason, TikTok pops in my head when you say that, oh. because uh, what do we do when we want to connect? We go to social media of some oh, sort, yeah. right? So I go to TikTok and I start watching videos of people mm. doing random things uh-huh. instead of sitting down and having a conversation with a stranger and saying, Hey, let me get to know you. Right. Yeah. I'm going to go and I'm going to start following someone because I like what they're presenting. And I, I think, Oh, I, I could be friends with this person uh-huh. if they were in my life. Right. Yeah. The reality is we have people who can be in our life, take those people and bring them into your life. Right. Don't, don't settle for those superficial yes. um, screen, screen non-relationships. <laughs> yes. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. Connect, 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 connect. That'd be so good. Okay. okay. Man, Jill, this is exciting. I'm, I'm energized by that. I so, know it, it is exciting. Yeah. So uh, on our good next stuff. episode, we are going to talk about dear younger me. Yes. So we were going to spend some time and like separately write a letter to ourselves and say, dear younger me, this is what I wish you wish you knew. Like, you know, I wish that I could have told you this at age 12, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And moving forward, like, like, as you prepared for your future, what do I know now that I wanted you to have known? Yeah. And so we're going to, we're going to spend some time doing that. And so yeah. Uh, it, it inspired by the Mercy Me song because I listen to that all the time. It mm. pops up on my playlist. And so every time I hear that song, I think, what would I have told myself? Yeah. And where, where are we going to go with this? Yeah. Um, so if you have thoughts as well, uh, we encourage you to send them to us. So yeah. Let us know, like, what, what are some things that you would have told yourself Yeah. back back in the day? Yes. That might be a good idea. Maybe we should solicit some uh, letters from other people. Like, yeah. actually go find people and say, hey, would you write a letter to yourself or your younger oh, self? Oh, well, let's do that. Yeah. We'll pin you down. We'll come look. <laughs> we're coming looking for you. So <laughs> Some of you are on the list. Yeah. So we, we will ask you for it. And so then maybe we can read those on the air next time. That'd be great. Okay. So until next time, when we bust some biscuits.